0: Welcome to another episode of Consider This Question. Uh, it's been a little while since we've been in the studio, but we've got a a few topics that we'd like to talk about over the next couple of weeks. And, and the topic this week is going to be the subject of forgiveness, and specifically um, talking about issues that the church... Um, seems to struggle with in terms of understanding and practicing forgiveness. And so um, I'm Ryan Vincent. I will be kind of leading the discussion today. I have with me Jim Johnson, Morgan Weiss, and Drew Moss. And so they each have a lot of thoughts on this particular subject, and uh, we're going to hop right in. So Jim, we'll start with you. Um, forgiveness as a uh, as an idea. Well, I'll, I'll go back up. The reason that this bubbles up is that this is a, a subject that has not only come up in our preaching series at the end of the Lord's Prayer, um, this is a, pr- a fundamental Christian idea that is very, very essential to living life as a follower of Christ. And so a, a good understanding of forgiveness is therefore, I think, necessary to grow in Christ's likeness and to follow him well. So we use this word like forgiveness all the time. Everybody, it's, it's, it's almost like the word Christian. Everybody says it assuming they know what it means. And a lot of people might be getting it a bit wrong. So let's start off with a good definition, Jim, of, of the word forgiveness. Yep.
1: And, you know, what's interesting is because de- definition-wise, um, it can be as simple as to let go. The word aphiomia in the Greek, which is the word generally translated, the, the word forgive, actually has, uh, at its root, it can be used in a number of different ways. The disciples aphiomied their nets means they mend, mended them. Hmm. Um, so you can leave and that word is sometimes translated leave, but it's the same word. So to forgive is to, um, again, uh, definitionally, lexically, as we would say, like in the dictionary, um, it would mean to, to let go. Um, I think, obviously, when you use it in a relational context, it's the concept of me letting go of the wrong that someone else has done me. So I let it go. I forgive. Um, and then I think one step further is the idea of, Therefore, since I let it go, then I choose to bear the, the cost or the weight or the offense. And so instead of exacting it from you um, and making you pay, I let it go. And so that is, I, I think, the kind of the rough way of us looking at it um, in terms of what happens. And I think you take those ideas and you take them to the cross. You take those ideas and you take them to, you know, God's grace in terms of how it works um, in our lives. But, you know, it's it's really interesting. We think of this as a religious term, forgive, and it has a spiritual connotation, right, or a relational connotation. Um, and yet realize that, you know, like in the Bible— these words about redemption actually is a financial term. This word about to be justified is actually like a legal term. And so they're taking these things that we do with each other and with God, and they're trying to find what these words would look like in any language. And the language that we use is, in the Old Testament is Hebrew and the New Testament is Greek. And so, you know, going back and what does this word to forgive mean? That's kind of where it finds its roots. Mm. Is, what is God doing when he forgives us and mm-hmm. he is truly letting us? essence letting it go, bearing the offense in himself, which gives us a great picture of the cross.
0: It's something of an analogous word. It's it's we take words from culture, from civilization, and we're trying to use these to explain, in our case, theological concepts. These aren't theological words per se; they're financial terms, legal terms. Yeah, which is how we use everything. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, yeah.
2: true. And and I think you you know you mentioned the cross as as kind of the key point of that, and so I think that becomes. Primarily when forgiveness is talked about in the Bible, it is God's forgiveness of us, of his people. And, and so the cross becomes kind of a great, if we wanted to find forgiveness, look at that. And, yep. and it is, I think if I were to kind of sum it in a phrase, it would be like the renewal of a relationship um, at the cost of the person who was sinned against or yeah. against that, that. So God says, I'm going to make this relationship right at cost to myself. Yeah. And that's what uh, on a on a smaller level that's what we do with one another is rather than demanding my pound of flesh rather than demanding to get even I as as Jim said I I will bear the cost of that sin and the hurt that it caused me without demanding to get even for those things. So. Yeah.
1: The lack of retribution. Yeah. Right? The lack yeah. of that. And that's again the concept of grace or mercy. Yeah. Be merciful to me. Be graceful to me um, is kind of at the root of that. And I, and I I love how Drew is then saying, okay, so this becomes the picture of what Mm -hmm. it looks like. So it's not necessarily a definition. It's, it's an example. Uh And that's where we go to Christ on the cross. That's where we go to God's ultimate act of, of grace. And even in terms of like, so how does God forgive? And that's, you know, I probably a little bit outside the scope of what we want to do today, but I think it's probably a good foundation to at least have in the room or in the, Mm -hmm. you know, on the conversation which is is that god doesn't just ah forget about it Mm -hmm. like there is a payment because he is we believe in a just god Mm -hmm. who is going to um who is not just going to um let it go without payment Uh that would be that would not be just well then this is a this is a major question
2: this has been kind of a controversial idea in theology stuff over the last 20 30 years is this idea of why can't if god is such a good god why can't he just let it go, just forgive? Why does he have to have payment? And and the answer is just that that's actually the nature of sin is that something has to be paid for. You can't, you, you break my window in my house and it does not just naturally fix, fix itself. itself. Someone yeah. has to pay for that, whether that is you who did it or me bearing the cost of it. And And taking it myself, but like it it has to be done. that's just the nature of it, and that's that's what makes the cross and the way that God forgives through the payment of his son
0: so important and critical, I think yep okay so if if we have a a working definition, and if we have kind of the ultimate example of forgiveness being christ's work or God's work through Christ on the cross, what then drew are some of the Bible's Kind of supplemental teachings about forgiveness. It, it speaks yeah. about it in a number of ways. Yes. What are some of those examples?
2: Well, here's here's kind of one of the primary things is is that forgiveness is a is a package deal, I would say, and and what I mean kind of mean by that is because forgiveness is so fundamental and foundational to the Christian life, my whole identity my whole status before God, my relationship with him is all built on this idea that I've been forgiven. Mm -hmm. Um, And because of that, like I'm actually required as a Christian to embrace it as a whole. That is, I don't get to pick and choose which aspects of forgiveness I want to be a part of. Specifically, I don't get to say, yes, I will receive forgiveness from God, (laughs) but I can't forgive my brother for what he did because that was too painful. That was too egregious. No. Mm No those two things biblically have go together. And so I don't, I don't get to pick and choose. I, I only, I, I, I have to embrace all, and in that way, it's kind of like air. Like I don't get to say, um, I only wanna breathe air in. I don't wanna breathe it back out, right? <laughs> I just, Jesus makes it really, really clear over and over again, if you are to be forgiven by the Father, you must also forgive your brother, you forgive your sister.
1: Those two things go in conjunction together, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you're going to allude to this or if you're even done on that statement, Drew, but that's absolutely critical. And then Jesus tells some really important parables. I keep going back. Even when you're talking about that, all I can think about are the parables where Jesus gives a description of this, mm-hmm. um, where Jesus is saying, yeah, there's a king and he was had a servant and the servant owed the king a lot and the servant was forgiven. And then the servant went around and was owed a little bit from another servant and he demanded it. And Jesus is telling that analogy and going, man, if you've been forgiven a lot, then you must. And if not, when God meets you, he's not going to be pleased with you yeah. that you did not act like him, that you did not extend a similar kindness to your servant, to your fellow yeah. servant. Mm-hmm. And those parables have always been a my some of my favorite parables, mm-hmm. but also some of the most... Um, shaping for me in terms of how to deal with other people is because I I take very seriously the parables when they say, and unless you, you will not. I mean, Jesus gets... I would say clear and forceful yeah. in terms of how critical this is to the fund, to the fundamental it is to the Christian life. Yeah, pro- probably more than any other topic that I can think of. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> repeatedly
2: yes. and straightforwardly says over and over again, "Unless you will forgive your brother or sister, you will not be forgiven by your father in heaven." Yeah. And so, very strong words. Yeah, and he
0: teaches that in the, very directly at the yeah. end of the Lord's prayer, and yeah. then which is using- Matthew six. Yes, and then he he, he does it in, in a number of other places.
3: In Matthew 18.
0: <laughs> Morgan Weiss is on the podcast, people, and she well, is. she's I our, just
3: am trying to make sure they know where to go.
0: She's good. She is good. She's she just good. Around. She's
1: our walking concordance.
3: Not, that's not yes. true. <laughs> yes. yes. But yes, I do is. know how to talk into the mic because <laughs> that's what Jim directed me to do.
0: Well, just like Morgan excels probably more than any of us at talking with her hands, she also likes to move her head yes. away from a static yes. mic. Okay, so. okay, okay. You brought it up, now does.
3: Please forgive me, and I will make this right. I will keep Morgan, talking to the
1: microphone. Morgan, I want you to know that as Christ has forgiven me, <laughs> I are. forgive you.
3: I want to hit him so badly right now. And I
1: forgive you for that. <laughs> I will bear I okay. bear. the weight in my
0: shoulder as you I'm, strike it. I'm not sure that she's repented of that, which might Oh, that leads to the next conversation. <laughs> That's does. great. It okay. does. Okay, so here's here, almost like an interlude we just had. Oh, that was I nice. hope it makes the final cut. <laughs> I hope Steve doesn't cut it out. I really hope so. Um so if we if we have a definition and we have some of the, the clearest teachings in Scripture on forgiveness, which by the way that was not an exhaustive list it's it's all over the place. But yeah, it, um, if we have an idea of what the Bible says about it, Jim, then what do we do in the church where we actually see there's a bit of a struggle to understand forgiveness? Sure. And to and and maybe we can take some of this on us. Is that coming from the teaching? In the church, or is it being taught incorrectly in some ways, or or is it being taught incompletely in some ways? What what are some of the struggles that we have practically in the church?
1: Yeah, I would say I would say it's a little bit of both. I, I don't know how much um, think about. It. I mean, I'm I'm in the church and I'm thinking about forgiveness. I'm just a young boy growing up in the church and I'm hearing about forgiveness and man, I, everybody has to do it. And I start thinking about all the situations and when which I've been wronged and now I got to think. So what does that look like, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody's doing that. And then so pastors are doing that. And so they're thinking about, okay, so how does this work? And, and they're trying to apply it. And then that then creeps into their teaching, okay? And this isn't happening in a vacuum. So they're thinking about um, not just what the what the theology behind it is or the biblical examples that Drew just described or the text that Morgan listed, but beyond that, they're also um like thinking about the, 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 the practical benefits, right? We're gonna, we, we love talking about practicality. So what are some of the practical benefits? And then what happens, I believe is, is that then that's what we preach on, the practical benefits, right? So, I mean, I would say you guys can comment here, but as you're listening to this podcast, if I were to say to you, why is forgiveness important? Why important? And nine times out of 10, what somebody when I ask that question to somebody, their first answer is, because it is just so freeing personally mm-hmm. like it's just it's a weight if you don't forgive and you're harboring a grudge it's so hard on it's you it's toxic it, to yourself yeah. it and is the person, so toxic the person that you're hurting is yourself yeah if yes you don't more than anybody, anybody else it's just like you know mission trips the person that's going to be most changed is you i mean so all of that which might be true i mean i'm not saying it's not toxic sure. i'm not saying it's not difficult but notice the focus and I think the focus becomes the problem. And then when, so then when I become the focus of me forgiving Steve for what he's done to me, then all of a sudden I don't even know if I need Steve for the process, which is, I think, the next step. Mm-hmm. So I begin to understand it um, in, a, in, a, in a limited practical sense, and then I begin to extrapolate it into situations. And so I hear a lot of people first going, oh, I totally forgave him. And I, what, what does that mean? It means I kind of let it go in my head. It I'm means not I'm, holding on to any bitterness. I'm not holding on to any bitterness, which I would even go. Really? I mean, <laughs> I, I would ask that question first of all. Really? Well, I'm trying to. Okay, I get that, and I think even forgiveness is even a process. Someone that we need to work through. Um, so I, you didn't talk to Steve about that? No, I just literally I just said I'm just going to let this go. Okay, and I I think that becomes a problem. Okay, um, and then the next step becomes, and I have had this happen a lot is people will come to me and say, I'm having a real hard time forgiving Morgan for what she did. And I say, okay, so tell me about, and I'll, I'll go back to like, again, the biblical precedent. So Morgan wronged you, uh-huh. And then you went to Morgan, right? Which is a biblical precedent. We go to those that have hurt us and we say, hey, this relationship matters to me. You matter to me, Morgan, and you wronged me. And I just want you to know, I want to make it right. I really do, like I want us to work through this because our relationship matters. And so, and then Morgan looked at what she did that was clearly wrong and she said, I am, I am deeply sorry for what I did. And, I, and I, I'm asking you, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not only sorry I did that, but what can I do to make it right and how does that work? And then you look at Morgan and you value her so much and you just see in her this, this desire to have this relationship and at any cost, and you decide to bear it in yourself so you forgive Morgan. So that's what happened. And it's usually, no, actually, I don't even know if I want to talk to Morgan about it. I'm just having a hard time forgetting it in my head because that's what we've reduced it to. Mm -hmm. So we preach a reduced psychological forgiveness. People aren't able to do it. And so the the theological truth, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Mm -hmm. And they've never, they've got these two ships that are kind of heading in different directions that are never going to touch. Psychological forgiveness and then the still relational separateness with this biblical demand that we forgive Um, Like God has forgiven us, and we're still not even realizing that's not even how God forgives us. God doesn't forgive us in his head. That's not even a biblical idea. And so now this person who's struggling with this issue with Morgan is trapped Mm -hmm. because they'll never find what they're looking for, which is, like, I want to be able to forgive Morgan. Yeah, And it's because they're trying to do it relationally detached. Yeah, and And more as
0: like a therapeutic exercise than... An actual reconciliation.
1: And I think that's, and when I say this, I think that is unbelievable. To say it's incomplete um is definitely true. There's a lot of wrong thinking mm-hmm. in that entire process. So,
2: yeah. And, and as we kind of mentioned towards the beginning, if forgiveness is the renewal or the reconciliation of a relationship as God did for us, then, and that means that that, that ought to be the same for us as well. Not not a psychological exercise in my head that helps me feel better it's going to require two parties yep. in the same way that it requires two parties coming together with me and god it would require that with me and morgan as well mm-hmm. so, see and so I even
3: think sorry no 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 you go ahead i even think that sometimes when you talk about letting it go and bearing a burden sometimes part of that burden is for you to desire Mm -hmm. and to work through the idea of that i actually am going to desire to value you and this relationship and reconciling that as something that's going to cost me Mm -hmm. because i have been deeply hurt by you yeah you know and so it is a putting aside of yourself in a sense and so that's to me that's part of the idea of bearing that burden and letting it go is by saying i'm we're going to reconcile this you know so
1: well, I was going to say, yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and part of the, I think the problem is, is that we're trying to, and this is such a danger on so many levels um, as ministers, is that we're trying to sell the idea to people, right? So how do I sell forgiveness? Well, I've got to talk about the attributes that you're going to get, because if not, what's the point? Like, what do I get from this? Well, you'll get like psychological health. You'll get a sense of peace.
0: Mm-hmm. You'll sleep better. You'll sleep better. Yeah.
1: Um, and, and you know, so how do I, and I want to talk about the cost and it's, 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 think about this, I don't want you to have to experience the cost of forgiveness, I just want you to get the benefit. Okay, but that's fundamentally against the idea of forgiveness. And I think with, with pastors and I would even argue theologians and then it, as it happens at the very practical level, it's just easier for me to think of what my mom did against me and to just kind of let it go in my head and never have to correct her, challenge her, that's just a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And I want to say and therefore never really complete. Like that's never what God intended. Um so, yeah, can I can I read this passage that was really shaping to me in understanding this? Will you let Morgan like at the very end she'll say and that was say written yeah. from, okay? So don't tell it where it's from. It. Okay, Morgan's, <laughs> Morgan's going to let us know. So <laughs> This go ahead.
2: is from a particular gospel. Okay. Luke, Um, am I right? ah, Yes, you're right. Okay. Um, Okay. He is good. Luke 17. (laughs) This is Jesus talking in verses three and four. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, "I repent," you must forgive him. And this is where's that found
3: again, Morgan? Luke 17 through through four. There you go. Indeed. And the whole sections he one, one whole that, sections
1: yes. one through ten. I yeah, mean, yeah, that's, well, a, that's a great
2: thing. that idea that Jesus is saying. Like, there's, it requires sometimes it will require a rebuke mm-hmm. if they're if they're unaware of it, and then it will require repentance on that person's part, and then it requires forgiveness on your part. And so there's multiple things taking place between two parties in that, rather than just if your brother sins. Forgive him. He yeah. doesn't. So if your brother <laughs> sins, rebuke. Then if he repents, then forgive. There are multiple
0: steps going on yeah. there. So. which yeah. now we've opened up the can of worms that I think most of us struggle with the most, and, and that passage hits it right on the head. And that is the this concept that forgiveness is something that requires repentance. Can you mm-hmm. kind of flesh that out for us a little bit, or at
3: the very least, reconciliation requires both forgiveness and repentance.
0: Okay, well, let's run that down because that okay. is that's going to kind of feed into some of these struggles that we have, uh, you know, especially as we teach and and this can have we we have some concerns in terms of Jesus's instructions that unless you can forgive, you you won't be forgiven. Well, if there's some sort of other uh, factor in play that is being forgiveness, how does that muddy up the process? Well, and you taught on
1: this recently, Morgan, mm-hmm. right? So- yeah.
3: This is the main question I got from adults, not from high school students, but that's okay. It's <laughs> all in there. Okay, that's normal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think one of the, I think kind of clarifying would be this idea of does forgiveness, to be forgiven, like to receive forgiveness, does that require repentance? Like, was repentance required? And then to offer forgiveness, is repentance required? And yep. I think those are two very different things and those kind of have to be looked at because I think it's it has to do a lot with not just motive that we leave in our head and in our heart, but that actually causes us to act from it. And so I think that repentance is not required for me to offer forgiveness to somebody. I don't wait for them to come crawling back to me and to apologize. Like Jim, like everybody has said, and like scripture talks about that sometimes, oftentimes you are going to them to seek this, this reconciling of the relationship. It's this bearing of this burden. Um, But I do think for forgiveness to be received from them and for a reconciliation to be made complete, for your relationship to be restored, um, they have to repent in order to receive that forgiveness. That's what I would say based on not probably a specific verse, but based on what I understand about Jesus is forgiving us through bearing the burden of our sin on the cross and us having a renewed relationship and a right relationship with him requires us to repent and accept that. So that's kind of how where I would go with that but
1: well and I, and I, that's really I love the idea of breaking that up because I'll, I'll sometimes turn some of the terminology I'll use when I teach this Morgan is the idea that there always needs to be an attitude of forgiveness but I like how you worded it better that the offer is mandatory that in the same way that God has an open-handed gift and offer for us that we need to definitely follow along suit with that okay so the offer has to always be there And then whether or not we receive it is truly hinged upon, as Drew described from Luke 17, whether or not somebody um, accepts the offer. And how do we accept the offer of forgiveness? By having a changed mind and by loving the relationship ourselves. So Morgan loved Susan so much that she was willing to go to her and to you know, she looked at her relationship with God and thought, wow, God gave me this. I need to extend this to her. So I went to her and I talked to her and I offered it. And then Susan accepted it through repentance. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm glad to find, you know, to kind of bring in the last stage of that transaction. Yeah. And so forgiveness offered,
0: repentance happens, and then forgiveness given yeah. and
1: received, or received, I guess, in that sense. Yeah. So
0: It's it's. A- It's a complicated statement that can be misunderstood many times, but you know, I've I've said in a number of contexts, like I cannot forgive someone if they refuse to repent. It's technically impossible, and then people, whoa, but we have to forgive, and and but say that. And you'll get people thinking you're crazy. Yes. I mean, literally, it's just like, well, what are you talking about? I cannot, for, it, it is not the transaction I can offer forgiveness. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an open-handed invitation, but it's, it has not technically taken place. And I love the, the analogy you drew to the cross. Christ has not forgiven me prior to my repentance and following him. The forgiveness is on the table, but the, but the forgiveness has not been applied to my life. And therefore, the transaction hasn't taken place until I repent and begin to follow him. Which leads us to our next question, which can get really, really fun, Drew. And I'll I'll start with you on this one. By saying that repentance is necessary in order for forgiveness to actually take place, when we're dealing with someone who's wronged us and they refuse to repent... Are we then disobedient to Christ's instructions that you must be forgiven in order to be forgiven or you must forgive yeah. in order to be forgiven?
2: Yeah. And that is huge because it's it's scary when you when you hear Paul or when you hear Jesus say, like, if you don't forgive, then then you won't be forgiven. And I think that also even feeds to what Jim was talking earlier, our tendency to just jump to the. Individual psychological, I forgive them in my head because I so I so don't want to disobey Jesus on that. I so <laughs> want to make sure I forgive. So it it's a tendency to just jump and go, well, I, I forgive them. Um, but but biblically, no forgiveness really requires in in to to be a complete deal a repentance on their part. And and I don't believe um, in answer to your question that it is disobedient um, if I cannot fully forgive a person who's not repentant. I, I believe it is disobedient if I um, refuse to let go of bitterness because mm-hmm. we're called to let go of bitterness. I believe it's, um, I believe it's disobedient if I um, live in anger or constantly seek retribution or yep. revenge because God says that, that it's not for us to avenge. So I believe that's disobedient. I believe it's disobedient if I refuse to extend forgiveness, if mm-hmm. I refuse to have a heart that, that, that will offer it just as God freely offered it to me. Um, but if they will not repentant. And and if they don't want that forgiveness, then I do not believe that I am held in uh, to be disobedient by not being able to fully reconcile that relationship.
1: I think it's good to take people through the steps in terms of like, so where are you at? Like tell me, that's why I love to ask when someone says to me legitimately, I don't think I've, I don't think I can forgive so-and-so. And And, then the problem is almost 10 times out of 10, what they are describing is a relationship that is some level estranged and nobody wants to do the hard work to bring it back together. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to deal with confrontation. Nobody wants to deal with the, um, the appropriate changes that are going to be necessary to have this. They basically want to just pretend it didn't happen. And when we remove the transactional or relational tension that exists, Mm -hmm. um, when a wrong has been done and when we make forgiveness, a psychological exercise, then it's, it's kind of like, it's like an imaginary girlfriend. I just don't feel like she's real. Well, she's not real. (laughs) <laughs> that's why you feel a little bit like weird about it and that's yeah. why you you don't get the joy. I mean, I've been I haven't been wronged a lot in my life, but I've been wronged. And when I have gone to those people who've wronged me or maybe vice versa, I have a lot of people where I have wronged them, there is just something incredibly powerful when I say, you know, Ryan, I am so sorry for what I've done and for you to genuinely look at me and say well i forgive you like that relationship takes on a whole new persona it takes on a whole new perspective yeah. um and a lot of us just don't want to go through the hard work of that either yeah. because we want to pretend I, I think a lot of people who say they've forgiven and it's just been a psychological exercise are kidding themselves yeah in terms of where that's going and by the way it is easier i totally i totally agree when i when i have this question brought up in real practical situations Um, I go to another major biblical idea, and Drew very much alluded to it, that we need to forgive like we've been forgiven. Okay, well, let's take a step back. Like, How did God forgive us? Mm -hmm. Did God just forgive everybody in his head without confronting them, without them? And no, as Drew was describing it, there was always a transaction that took place, that God forgave us by sending his son to die in our place, so payment was made. We receive that through repentance. Mm -hmm. Right? That's how we receive the forgiveness of our sins is embracing what Jesus Christ has done. And so a typical Christian person, when I ask, are you to forgive like God forgave? Well, yes. Well, does God just forgive everybody all the time, like whether they repent or not? And and what's weird is they would say no. Okay. So we're supposed to forgive like God. We receive forgiveness from God by repenting, but yet you don't think that's the same thing between Mm -hmm. you and your mother or Mm -hmm. you and your best friend. Oh And that all of a sudden, some lights begin to go on in terms of the natural connection, and again we 're not trying to get out of forgiving people we 're not hey, I found a loophole yep. guys morgan you 're allowed to be mad at your at your brother it's it 's not that at all it 's it 's essentially saying forgiveness with God restores a relationship mm-hmm. your forgiveness is going to restore a relationship probably outside the scope of our conversation, but just to make sure people realize this is what is one of the most common things is my father really hurt me. He's been dead for five years. How do I get there then? Right. And that's, I think what drew alluded to, which is, well, you can't be bitter and you can't be angry. So, so if I never had a chance or I've Mm -hmm. missed my opportunity to, because Mm -hmm. they've disappeared from my life or whatever, does that mean I'm, you know, Unforgivable in my situation because yeah. I haven't forgiven yeah. somebody else, and that's not what we're saying. Yeah. That's not what we're describing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I I would strongly encourage you to think through the process that happens with God, and then say, and you should act in the same way with your the person who's wronged you.
0: Our last question, Morgan. I'll I'll direct this one to you first. Um, if we, if we do a better job of understanding the concept of forgiveness and we have a, a deeper theological understanding of how that actually goes down as a transaction, what are some of the ways practically that this plays out? What are some of the practical implications that we see uh, this, especially in, in the context of the church with our brothers and sisters?
3: I think probably the major one, at least for me, and how this plays out is that it causes me to really examine where I need to be repentant to God and to others. And as I lean into God's forgiveness of me, when I am repentant, it helps me um, continue to seek out, to restore relationships with others in a way that's not bitter or, um, so easy, practical, right, would be my son. It's very, there's a lot of repentance and forgiveness that has to go on between parents and children when you're raising children. So, and it's not always Quan's done something wrong. And I forgive him if he repents. Sometimes it's the opposite, you know, and I have to seek him out. Man, I had an awful day today, and I just came to you and tried to it's like I tried to find a reason to just yell at you and be angry, you know? And I need to repent of that, you know. Um, and I think one of that one of the ways it helps me to kind of extend um, forgiveness to him instead of holding holding something in is by understanding what God has forgiven of me, you know. Um, and also understanding that if I just say I'm going to forgive him in my head, that our relationship isn't healed, right? <laughs> if he wants me to, uh, when I'm tucking him in and I'm praying with him at night, there's something that's disconnected <laughs> even in us praying um, together because I, there's like our relationship is broken. And so um, I think that another good thing to study, if you wanted just some application from this, is to study Forgiveness and reconciliation, because I think sometimes we can use those words interchangeably and we don't mean to. um, But to understand that, like the intent of forgiveness is reconciliation. So when we say like you can't forgive, we're not. I think that a lot of times the heart behind that is you're offering forgiveness. And so I think just even in that idea of so they're they've been gone right for five years. Well, they're not holding on to bitterness and they're not. Yeah. So your heart is being transformed in that and that. I think of a friend of mine who's a college student, and she has a family that is not, a, not believers in Jesus, and she became a believer in college, and her, un, her being forgiven by the Lord and repenting and turning into Him and leaning into that has caused her to love her family in a way that she never could have before. and she, Before, she just made herself independent of them, and now she is seeking out to restore a relationship. Now, her offering forgiveness does not mean the relationship's going to be completely reconciled because there is not repentance there, but she is still working at that and she has a genuine, deep love for them. It's not faked. It's not because I have to, because God told me. It's like she is, she She gets it. She gets Mm -hmm. it. And it's because she has, I believe, experienced the forgiveness of God in her life through Jesus Christ. And so I, I think that you continually repent and lean into that and it helps you extend that to other people so
2: it's good and 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 i do want to kind of on i want to clarify because i think this trips people up a lot um that forgiveness and trust are not necessarily synonymous um, <laughs> that's good that forgiveness is free trust is earned right mm-hmm. and so so if ryan breaks into my house and steals a bunch of stuff one time while i'm gone and then comes to me later and repents of that dude i stole this stuff here it is i'm so sorry like i can i really do believe because of all that jesus has forgiven me that i ought to be able and would be able to forgive him and mm-hmm. say man i thank you i forgive you but doesn't necessarily mean i'm giving him a key to my house right yeah. away right yeah. like yeah. there's there's yeah. some level of trust that needs to be built up mm-hmm. again and, and sometimes people get tripped up with that because they don't feel quite as close to that person yet and mm-hmm. they don't feel like they can open yeah. up with that person quite yeah. yet and they go man maybe i haven't forgiven them and maybe not, you really do need to evaluate that and ask the Lord and see if there's bitterness in your heart and have him reveal that. But sometimes it's just a lack of trust that, that is, needs to be built up over time and it's a process. I just think that's important.
1: Well, and think of the big picture of this because, you know, going back to your illustration of Kwan or Ryan with you in, in your house, that we're, let's say it is the other way around. Let's say Kwan has wronged you. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's his fault. Mm -hmm. you're still going to him because you're the parent. Kids have a hard time seeing when they've done something wrong. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to him, but you're not just going to him because you're mad at him, but Mm -mm. his wronging of you is not good for him. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And so the fact that he lied to you or the fact that he, whatever from you, whatever the, the cost or the penalty was or the, or the sin was, like You want to restore this because it's best for him. He needs to understand that what he did was wrong. He needs to understand that the real path for, racial or for, um, uh, for reconciliation is for there to be a connection there. And so that's why you're going to him and going back to the trust piece. Like Another reason why you don't give Ryan the key is not just because you got to protect your stuff, but, man, it's probably not smart to give Ryan a key. Not yeah. good for Ryan, yeah. right? I mean, because what's best is not that Ryan has a key and then steals your stuff again. Mm -hmm. What's really best is that you love Ryan enough to say, hey, dude, I'm here to help you. And if you need the stuff, you need to ask. But I'm not going to give you a key. And it's not just because I don't trust you and I want my stuff. It's to protect me. It is to protect Ryan as well. And so when we look at our relationships as truly this bilateral agreement or this bilateral move um, or relationship, then we're thinking about both sides of this. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just, Drew, you really hurt me and you owe me. No, it's actually like Drew, you really did hurt me and you owe me. But in your wrongingness, like you actually violated God as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and man, all of this is messed up. Yeah. And we need to fix all of this. And it's going to take all of the Christian life and all mm-hmm. of our understanding what God has done for us. And forgiveness is part of a bigger process. Yeah. And it's just good for us to, like, I like how Morgan described it. As I look at what God did for me in Jesus Christ, I just need to be willing to do all all of that mm-hmm. by the power of the spirit, not, not to earn anything with God, but by the power of the spirit, I'm transformed. Yeah, yeah. And it is, there's a lot that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm willing to do whatever it takes
0: Yeah, because that's what God did with me. And, and the love for a brother or sister that manifests in an offer of forgiveness can actually be the kicker that wins my heart over to towards repentance. Yep. You know, it's almost like we don't have to You don't just offer forgiveness when repentance comes. It's almost like you offer it to entice repentance to restore that relationship. Mm -hmm. And then another one more practical thing, and I don't know if you had something else more, one more practical thing that this can help us wrestle with is that I know a lot of us struggle with truly trusting and believing that we have been forgiven with God. And a, a strong understanding of how this works would tell us that where there's repentance, God is faithful to himself to offer and extend that forgiveness and, and which results in reconciliation so when my, when I'm broken, i don't have to doubt that I am truly forgiven yeah. because it's it's a trans- He's not saying, well, I don't know if you're repentant enough. It's repentance and forgiveness go together, and it ends in reconciliation. Did you have one more thing?
3: Just when you were talking. He just kept thinking she's,
0: like. She's pointing to me. Sorry. Jim. But
3: I'm talking. Don't worry. I'm looking into the microphone, but I'm pointing at Jim beside me. You're I pointing at you're, a light. I you're pointing. Okay. I see that hand. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> what I was going to say before that was um, that whenever you're talking about the trust is not there all the way because you're protecting Ryan if he breaks into your house or Quan's phone is still taken because he misused it and it's not healthy for him. What I love about what you're talking about is that there was also this, whenever there is sin and the repentance and forgiveness is that ultimately, just like that is spurred on by the way God has forgiven us, that's also for the person that has wronged you. And I love I love the idea that your intent behind not giving him the key or my intent on, it's, it's funny because it's easy as a parent. Like when Quan wrongs me, it's easy for me to kind of get over myself in that. And I am so worried about his heart being right with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Like that is always a priority for me. And so that's why it's not just, so now let's go watch the thunder game together and everything's hunky dory. Mm -hmm. That's why it's not like that because I need him to really understand the weight of what happened, you know, and I need him to really understand how God for how God desires his heart and desires his obedience to him. Not just that he obeys me, you know? And so it, it is a, It's a deeper and longer and costs more than, than we initially realize whenever we are repairing and reconciling. Mm We, we are ministers of reconciliation, right? Not just of drew to myself, but of drew to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Like I want that to be something I help, I help push him towards, you know? So I just think that's, that's, that's another part of the cost, you know? So that's, that's
1: he who is think about this thought and I think we're about done, right? But he who has been forgiven much loves much, and he who has been forgiven little loves little. Where's it found, Morgan? Luke seven. Great parable on wow. forgiveness as well. And I think I think that, you know, again, I don't we, we could talk about that, but we're done. Yeah. But go back and look at that in Luke seven. That he who's been forgiven much loves much, and he who has been forgiven little loves little. And Jesus is describing in a really powerful story just the connection between forgiveness and love. And it's got to therefore be transactional if love is what's going on. It's a transactional thing.
0: That brings us to the end of this particular episode. Uh, This is a deep, deep subject with... uh applications and implications in a number of areas and a number of contexts. So um, if any of you would like to talk further about this, the four of us would love to, and anyone else on staff for that matter, would love to discuss how this plays out and what it means and where we can study it in Scripture. Um, We love you guys, and we hope you enjoy listening.